Hello, one and all. Welcome to Alternate Jersey, the podcast that reimagines your favorite sports moments to find out what could have happened. I'm your host and the commissioner of pain, Grant Evan. There's a lot of buzz in the NFL surrounding two things right now. A sudden and stunning dropping of veteran and franchise quarterbacks. Andrew Luck retiring in the preseason, Big Ben has an elbow injury, Sam Darnold caught mono of all things, Trevor Simeon's ankle was broken, Eli Manning was Eli Manning for just a little too long, but perhaps the one with the most impact would be the injury to Super Bowl favorite Drew Brees' finger. The Saints, one bad P.I. call away from the big game last year, seemed to be overwhelming favorites in the NFC this year, but Breeze being sidelined for at least another month puts an interesting wrench in the plans and a lot more weight on his backup Teddy Bridgewater's shoulders. On the other side of the spectrum, there is the overwhelming evidence that the Miami Dolphins may be tanking so hard we may as well start calling them the Miami Knicks. Despite having a new head coach fresh from New England and trading a second-round pick for second-year quarterback Josh Rosen, the Dolphins have been historically terrible. At the time of this recording, Miami has scored 16 points through three weeks and have allowed 133 points against them. They have scored one touchdown, every team they face has dropped over 30 points on them, and it doesn't seem to be letting up. But what if I told you there's a world where these team situations are reversed? In early 2006, the San Diego Chargers had decided to move on from their promising starter and second-round draft pick Drew Brees. Brees had a cannon arm and was accurate, but he had a long injury history, and the Chargers had Phillip Rivers waiting in-house to take the reins. Brees famously went into free agency and became the bell of the quarterback ball. As we all know, he'd land at the New Orleans Saints, becoming a beacon of hope for a city who just lost so much due to Hurricane Katrina. In a few short years, Breeze would take an historically awful franchise out of the depths of despair by hoisting the Lombardi Trophy over Peyton Manning's Colts and has kept the Saints relevant for nearly every year he's been their quarterback, even playing well enough over the last three years to keep them in the Super Bowl conversation. But as is common with high-profile free agent quarterbacks, the Saints weren't the only team vying for Breeze, nor were they the first. The favorite team to land Drew Breeze that offseason was the Miami Dolphins. It seemed like a match made in heaven. The Dolphins were in the middle of a rebuild that was headlined by luring college football's legend Nick Saban from LSU to oversee the Dolphins in late 2004. He took a 4-12 squad to 9-7 and clearly needed a quarterback to take them to the next level. The Dolphins brought Breeze in, worked out with him, seemed to like him, and in true Dolphins fashion, got spooked by his surgically repaired shoulder, thinking he'd be too much of a potential liability to play at full strength. Instead, the Dolphins signed future leader of the 0-16 Lions, Joey Harrington, and the very frequently injured Dante Culpepper, also a key member of the future 0-16 Lions. The Dolphins have been stuck in QB purgatory ever since, and now potentially seem destined for an 0-16 season of their own. So let's ask ourselves, what if the Miami Dolphins signed Drew Brees in 2006? We're going to start our timeline in New Orleans, because there is one bizarre ripple worth discussing. 
Heading into the 2006 season, there was heavy speculation that the Saints would be relocating permanently. Saints owner Tom Benson had reportedly had an interest in moving the team to either Los Angeles or San Antonio. There were a few reasons. Poor ticket sales, failure to reach a new stadium deal with the city, the Saints generally being terrible for decades, etc. Hurricane Katrina almost seemingly sealed the deal for relocation. During the 05 season, when the Superdome was still impossible to play in, the Saints would even play three of their home games in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and it appeared to be a done deal. Then, of course, the Saints got Breeze, hired Sean Payton, got a deal done to get the Superdome fixed, and have stayed in Louisiana ever since. But does Breeze going elsewhere stop any of that? The short answer is no, not really. Again, this is for a few reasons. The Superdome had famously become a brief building of relief for victims of the storm, but we also know that Benson and New Orleans reached the deal months before Drew Breeze was officially a saint. So the team stays. Plus, they're about to get their own high-profile quarterback in the next draft. Without Breeze under center, the Saints instead use their second overall pick to take not USC's running phenom Reggie Bush, but national champion and Texas quarterback Vince Young. This would be a huge morale boost in 2006 for Nola. Bush instead goes to the Titans. 2006 goes pretty well for Miami. With Breeze at the helm and no injuries to worry about, the Dolphins go 12-4 and, and even land a playoff appearance with a fifth seed. The Super Bowl goes to the Colts, but the Dolphins have played so well that Nick Saban is definitely not lured away by the enticing call of the Alabama Crimson Tide. No, Saban stays in Miami, and Bama has to look elsewhere for their football savior. They decide to lure away a different college coaching veteran from another NFL team, Bobby Petrino from the Falcons. More on this later. Vince Young gets the Saints to a 7-9 record with his rookie season, and the city rejoices that a quarterback actually managed to win seven whole games. In 2007, the to this point still quarterbackless Titans grab Brady Quinn. Before you rejoice, Browns fans, that just means you can have would-be Dolphins quarterback John Beck. You don't get away from your terrible QB moves on my watch. The 2007 season, for the most part, follows the script. The Finns scrape back into the playoffs, the Giants shock the undefeated Patriots, but Vince Young's former optimism gets shot with an injury as the Saints fall to 5-11. 2008 is a golden year in Miami history. Tom Brady gets injured early in the season, Matt Castle is in, and the Dolphins have a chance to punch the cruel god of the AFC, Bill Belichick, right in the mouth. To this point, Saban has done what he was hired to do and has built an imposing defense in South Florida, while Drew Brees continues to pile on insane numbers. In 2008, with the Saints, Brees throws for over 5,000 yards. The division-winning 11-5 Dolphins now go 14-2 with that kind of number behind them and grab the number one seed in the AFC, while Vince Young gets hurt in New Orleans again as the Saints plummet to a 3-13 record. 
the Dolphins dispatch the real-world champs of Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship and face off against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. And per our simulations, the Breeze-Saban duo brings Miami back its first ring since the 1973-74 season. The Finns build on their success in 2009 by going on an astounding 15-1 run on the heels of an even better season out of Drew Brees, so we'll see them returning to the Super Bowl for another shot at the ring, but what of the NFC? Young starts off hot in NOLA going 5-3, but once again gets hit by the injury bug, and it costs the Saints another losing record at 7-9. Four straight seasons without a winning record, an oft-injured quarterback, and no playoff appearances means the Saints fire Sean Payton as their head coach, the very year he would have won the Super Bowl with Breeze. So with the Saints not around to claim the number one seed, it's Favre's Vikings who reign supreme. The NFC playoffs go as such. Number one, the Minnesota Vikings. Number two, the Dallas Cowboys. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals. Number four, the Atlanta Falcons. Number five, the Green Bay Packers. And number six, the Philadelphia Eagles. Allow me to bring the drama. It's Green Bay versus Minnesota for the championship. The Eagles get passed by the Cardinals while the Packers handle Atlanta. This sends Philly to get beaten by Favre, and Rodgers begins a fun new career of beating the Cowboys in the playoffs. This also means the very team that let Favre walk away is now the only thing standing between him and one more ring. And this time, he thwarts them. Without the Saints and Bounty Gate actively trying to kill Favre, he uses his powerful Minnesota weapons to send the pack packing and goes on to face Breeze and the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. Brett Favre gets to ride off into the sunset a champion. In 2010, we've got a fun game of Coach Swap to play. The Saints, sans Payton, decide to go after would-be Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll, while the Seahawks take on Sean Payton giving him the benefit of a doubt that Nola's problems weren't his own and retaining the promising offensive mastermind. 2010 is the reawakening of the Patriots, so the Finns grab another wildcard berth, leading the Packers to beat Pittsburgh yet again. The Saints have been patiently biding their time in the quarterback department in anticipation of the 2011 draft, where they are just bad enough to add Andy Dalton to their roster. And for fans of AJ's past, you know that with Dalton not an option, the Bengals take their second choice, Colin Kaepernick. Dalton is a breath of fresh air in New Orleans. The Saints, for the first time this century, get a winning record in 2011. A whopping 9-7, but it's a big enough and promising enough deal. 2011 Dolphins go 14-2, blow past their division rival Patriots, and go to the Super Bowl against Eli's Giants. No weird voodoo here, the Dolphins overwhelm the G-Men and get ring number two. 2012 has would-be Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill now going to the quarterbackless Niners, and completely keeps them out of the playoffs. Colin Kaepernick, of course, catches fire on a historically good Bengals team and becomes yet another threat in an extremely stacked AFC playoff race that now features Manning's Broncos, Brady's Patriots, Breeze's Dolphins, and Joe Flacco, who's about to go full elite dragon mode. 
After running everything, Breeze keeps Cap out of the big game, but Joe keeps Breeze out of the big game himself. The Ravens face the Packers instead of the 49ers for the Super Bowl, and they beat Green Bay. The next time we see a Finn Super Bowl appearance is after they beat Old Man Manning in the 15-16 championship game. Breeze goes on to thwart the Panthers, netting his, so far, last ring and fourth appearance. Saban stays in Miami this entire time, because if Alabama keeps him this long, you bet the Dolphins do. Miami and New England are the rivalry in the NFL, with Brady and Breeze trading blows for nearly two decades, and the Finns enjoy a long era of success, whereas the Saints would have just now moved on from Tannehill and would still be stuck without a quarterback or a ring, perhaps a move to San Antonio back in the cards. But this timeline has one ripple we haven't discussed. What the hell happens to Alabama? We mentioned earlier that Bobby Petrino is now taking over the storied history of the Crimson Tide. He's not quite the legend Nick Saban is, so there probably isn't a parade or anything, but he's sensible. You know, like if you don't like winning BCS championships. He gets his first bowl game appearance in 2011, four years after being hired, and they even win it. It's also his only bowl game win in Alabama. The good news is he never has that notorious affair with Jessica Dorrell because he's not in Arkansas to meet and do adultery with her, but he still doesn't have his footing and is not living up to the Alabama standard of excellence. So they part ways with him in 2012 and try some other schmuck who isn't Nick Saban that year, still not reaching a national championship game. So now we have to ask ourselves, what schools are going to those national championships Saban got the tide to? In 2011, Alabama famously humiliated the LSU Tigers in the championship. But with them gone, the Tigers now get the high fortune of facing off against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, a game the Tigers win easily, proving they don't need no Saban to win big games. 2012, the Tide spanked Notre Dame, but now the Fighting Irish can do battle with the undefeated Ohio State, where they will still get whooped by the Buckeyes. Alabama and Clemson had a shootout in 2015 in this championship match, but without Bama, Clemson now just gets to do battle against new number two Michigan State, which the Tigers utterly just destroy. Next year, more of the same for the Clemson Tigers. They get the number one seed away from Alabama, which of course bumps up Ohio State to number two. The two meet in the championship, and we already know what happened to the poor Buckeyes here. In 2017, Alabama doesn't upset Clemson. Clemson holds strong at number one, but now they face the number three Georgia Bulldogs in the championship, and that is where the upset happens. The two-time defending champs fall to Georgia. And finally, and most recently, Clemson makes their fourth straight and take out their unbridled hatred against a Notre Dame team in the finals that just can't hang. Clemson slowly becomes the Alabama team we all now fear and hate as they take yet another national title. Breeze in Miami totally shifts two leagues, creating an unprecedented rivalry between two greatest of all times as they battle for sheer dominance and robbing college football of an incredible decade of dominance from one school as one other team no longer has any competition to start their own dynasty. The Saints could be tanking for Tua if he's still good in Alabama. The legacies of Sean Payton and Pete Carroll are in shambles, and Nick Saban would be dueling with good friend Bill Belichick for title of greatest NFL coach of all time. 
And that is what could have happened if Drew Brees had signed the Miami Dolphins. How do you feel? Do you agree? Disagree? Feel free to call me out or shout me out on Twitter at GrantEvanAJ. Be sure to subscribe for more exciting episodes and answers to your pressing sports questions. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time with another jersey and another story.